Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness of truth. We are continuing to be immersed, to surround, and to dwell in that word, which the Lord has given to his apostle, to our pastor. And this thought, this word, this revelation was poured out in the sermons which we hear and have been hearing for quite some time now. And will we surround this topic longer, perhaps someone that is foolish will ask, someone that is not enlightened. We are going to surround this word as long as the Lord grants us. And how does he tell us? He does this through his staff. Once God was made evident to his prophet and said to him and showed him something and says, Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see a rod as if an almond tree. He says, yes, you see correctly, for I am vigilant over my word so that it can be fulfilled in its time. And the Lord is the one that is vigilant over his church. He is vigilant over us, leads us, the rod is a symbol of authority. The people of Israel in the wilderness, they had shown disobedience and had groaned and moaned. There were certain questions that came up. Well, why are we walking this way? 
Why did Moses, Aaron, why did they show us the way? Where to go? What sermon to say? How to move forward? And God said to them, Let each tribe and each of the twenty tribes, each twelve of, of, of the twelve of the tribes, give its staff and lay it before the ark where I am and where I reveal myself. And I will give a sign. And we remember this story that when Moses had placed all twelve staff and Aaron represented the tribe of Levi, the priesthood, then during the night, this staff of Aaron had flourished, had bulbs on it, and God in this way had shown a sign and said, place this staff in the Ark of the Covenant for future generations so these questions do not remain. We have been taught and we don't have questions. We feel joy and satisfaction and comfort by dwelling in the words of the Lord and we know that we are doing something greatly important. We are fulfilling our part and the time will come when he who is vigilant over his word in us will show this word in a certain way. We are continuing to see these verbs and to be vigilant over these verbs because God is vigilant. And when we look at, with our eyes at this word and it is continually before our eyes, we ponder over it, we pray with these words, we read this word, we listen to this word, then we are going to be able to faithfully see. We will see the sign of the times. We are going to be able to see where we are, where we are going. We will know more than certain other people because we are going to faithfully see that which the Lord does. Therefore, we are continuing to surround these three verbs to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And together with the prophet Isaiah, the place of Holy Scripture in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 10 and 11. We can proclaim this word, calling the inexistent as existent, because it is in our hearts, and it is called to be in our lips, in order to, to speak it so that he who reads can easily read what is on the tablets of our heart. In this way, the scripture says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I'll remind you that these seven points that pastor had separated or divided out for us, this is to be clothed in the garments of salvation, covered with the robe of righteousness, decked with the ornaments of a bridegroom, adorned with the jewels of a bride, clothed in fine linen, clean and bright, and having accepted the representative power of the Yahweh of hosts. 
This is what it means to be clothed into our new man. The dignity of this new man expressed in the garments of the bride and the wife of the lamb is the dignity of a king, the dignity of a prophet, and the dignity of a priest. We have already been reminded of the price that a person in the image of God and born of God, having and carrying the image of God in collaboration with God, is called to fulfill. And Pastor provided us with seven of these components of the price. The first price for the right to be clothed in the garment or robe of righteousness is fulfilling the conditions, giving us the ability to be filled with the fear of the Lord. The love of the Son of God, it is said that He is going to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And the Son of God, who was conceived through an immaculate conception with the seed from above, He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with the fear of the Lord. And each of the saints who are a bride of Christ like him, must be filled with the fear of the Lord. The second price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness is comprised of the conditions, the fulfillment of which is called to turn us to the favor of God. We will remember that these are the two levels of the favor of God. God pours out this favor in the format of a seed and then gives an opportunity for man to bring and offer fruit. The third price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness is the price and the ability to judge of all things that comes from the Spirit of God and to not be de- dependent on the judgment of any carnal person. So this means to not depend on the words of carnal people from their appraisals. The fourth price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness is the price for the opportunity and the right to know the mind of the Lord in order to be able to judge it. And the fifth condition for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness is to ponder upon those truths that will allow us to be renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. So, being immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus in baptism, we will be able to rise up, but in a new way. Our mind is called to be renewed, the sixth condition for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness is the price expressed in the full refusal to drink alcoholic drinks. This is that which today is difficult to uh, accept by a carnal person. But this is not difficult for those priests whom God has chosen to represent His interests. This brings them no difficulty. And the seventh condition that we have stopped to study and are continuing to dwell in is the condition for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness to practice the judgment of God. This is to be clothed in redemption that is comprised of observing the Pesach of the Lord according to God's statute. Each detail of the yearly celebration of Pesach pointed to the legal right of Exodus out of Egypt, symbolizing the right to deliverance from the vain life an entrance into the promised land, which symbolizes the right to the full deliverance from the slavery of sin and death in the body, and in the future, the final deliverance from the decaying body itself and and the mortal soul, which, thanks to worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb, saints are going to be clothed in immortality and will be raptured up 
on the morning star. And for the treasures of this feast to become reality in our life, Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions which are written in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. We together have already looked at ten conditions and have turned to the nine conditions and have turned to the tenth one. And this is as it sounds. And thus you shall eat it with the belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This is the Pesach of the Lord. To eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find satisfaction in partaking of the Pesach and the subject of hearing the word about the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the truth, for they shall be filled. The person that does not have desire, he is not blessed. He was found in a kind of a place. He brought. He bought a lottery ticket. He is known as someone that is happy by others. But those who desire God long for Him, and he, they thirst for the righteousness of God. These are joyful people whom God has selected. Those who call themselves believers but who lack thirst, desire, and a hunger for it, these are people that lack the element of haste upon partaking of the Pesach of the Lord. So the robe of righteousness, or righteousness itself, is the fulfilled justice of God that is shown through this righteousness on the earth. And the righteous are those that are chosen by God. They desire the judgments of God. They desire for God to be revealed through His judgments. And of course, we have to desire to collaborate with the justice of God. And this clothes a person in the wisdom of God through which he can judge of God and his works. It is written that the judgment of God is fulfilled over all people. And we have been filled with the fear of the Lord and have the fear of the Lord and are filled with fear in, in such a way and for the purpose of continuing and beginning to collaborate with Him and to clothe ourselves into the wisdom of God and to show God's, demonstrate God's righteousness and judgment. We are continuing to study the results of desire through which we can test ourselves if we are in the faith. So if we eat the basic of the Lord in haste or not, we observe the judgment of the Lord in us as it is occurring because the judgment of God in this judgment there exists a certain expression through which we can judge if we have these results or not do we demonstrate them or not here are the signs the first sign is expressed in searching for a communication with God in our heart in which we have already seen him in the sanctuary the God shows a person his sanctuary and the holy man of God begins to desire and search for this sanctuary in his heart. God says, it is there. You are called to see this sanctuary and to build it there. And when we begin to see, this makes us joyful. 
and even just being found in this search is a certain path to which God leads us. He brings us this joy, knowing that this path is the path of the Lord. The next sign of partaking of the Pesach lamb in haste is expressed in the desire of our heart to hear the word of God with the intention and readiness to immediately fulfill it. This is to, in our prayers, turn to the judgments of God when we are lost as a lost sheep so that God can God can find us. Psalms 119 verses 174 through 176 I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. The Lord teaches us and shows us such a way that we will not be able to independently find His countenance, find His way. In doing so, He allows us to know and gives us the knowledge that we belong to a flock, that we are dependent on a flock, that there is a shepherd among this flock, and that there is an order that is present. And when we discover this sign, you know, in in a moment, we are strong, we are courageous. It seems as if we have understood that we need to go forward and a person forgets that he has been created by God in such a way that he must, in his thinking, tie or unite himself to this flock and to depend on this flock and to hear the voice of the shepherd because God leads the flock. Psalms 119, verses 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Not forgetting commandments? Well, how, how can you be lost if you know the commandments? We need to know the commandments. But God shows His commandments in such a way that He uncovers it in His body. And if a person focuses on his own path, he loses this sign, and he does not have this sign. This sign is discovered when all of a sudden I have understood, I have called out to the Lord, and the Lord has led me out onto the road, and I have understood that I can't uh, portray this independence. And when this becomes my forever inheritance, I understand that I belong to a flock, that I am dependent on the body, I am going forward with the body. I do not show my own self-will or show my independence of the body, but I belong and depend on the body. This is a sign, and we are verifying ourselves according to these signs. The next sign that gives God the ability to visit to visit our heart and to quench our thirst. God's make, God makes our hearts so desire, desiring and so hungry and languishes us with this desire, leading us along His path, leading us like His flock. As a flock, He led His people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Why did he bring this flock to such places for God tested the people? And 
in the wilderness for three days. There is no water. There is heat, sand, and there is no water. And if a person were to know that he had to be patient for three days and there would then be water, he could be patient. But when he doesn't even know when he will come across this water, then all of a sudden he opened it and he poured out the water abundantly and a lot of it was poured out. And it is written also that we exclaim and sing to him. We begin to quench our thirst. We begin to rejoice and praise the Lord and sing praise to his faithfulness. And then we sing. It was not once they have saved me and not once they have led me out. I know that there is no situation where he would leave us. And we have this sign. We have this sign as an eternal inheritance in the riches of the faith of our heart. The next sign will express itself in utterances or groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8, 26-27, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In this place of Scripture, partaking of Pesach in haste, and the groanings that cannot be uttered, includes character of worship, that is done in prayer in tongues. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, but we have the knowledge that we have to pray. And we'll begin to pray in tongues. And this is wonderful. God uses us. He uses us to bring us to perfection. And sometimes for other people, we are called to pray, not just for ourselves, but also we pray for the kings and the leaders and for other people, for every person. Whom God lays on our heart when he uncovers that we must pray in tongues with the groanings and utterances of our lips. And we know that we have this sign therefore present. And this becomes the inheritance of our heart, and we observe the Pesach of the Lord in haste. The next sign that defines the result of desire and the element of haste upon observing Pesach will allow in our heart to be opened an anointing. The desire to have unchanging mercies this is unchanging everything else in this life is changing time flies we are flying we change our life changes time changes and we arrive to the end of ages and we have arrived to the end of ages but there is the mercy of God the promises of God that do not change he has promised to David and this is the promise that is eternal This is the bond of all the promises of God. 
our pastor explained it's not just one or two or three promises upon which people pay which people pay attention to and then further on they don't see no one else tells them about this no one teaches them or will correct them and when one promise will be fulfilled they rejoice as if all of them have been fulfilled but no we are talking about all of God's promises and these promises are called to be contained in the hope of our trust in the three unseen dimensions that communicate with one another the heavens the height and in the spirit of a person that is humble and contrite so this promise God has in the heights of the heavens it is in the sanctuary it is given for the church and we being partakers of the church or as a vessel that is partaking of the body of Christ this promise enters our heart how does it enter when we hear it when the man of God speaks this promise all of a sudden we see the value of this word and we say let it be to me according to your word and this promise having been found in the sanctuary given the fact that we are partaking to the sanctuary it enters into our humble and contrite spirit to receive the inheritance of the covenant expressed in the mercies promised to David we must be born of the water spirit and to the throne and then lose our soul in baptisms and water Holy Spirit and fire in which we make with God a covenant of blood salt and rest in order to fulfill his good acceptable and perfect will and be sealed by the Holy Spirit when a person has been sealed this is like a seal on his document his name his our our virtue is written because a person has opened his heart to all the promises of God he was not selective and he didn't try to eat that which he only liked he says in this church I like the choir in this church I like this I like that I like my brothers they will help me out if needed and this is good and that is good but I don't like this and I don't like this and that other church and people when they walk around and they don't like something a person is made in such a way after some time passes they begin to see something that they don't like and there are some people that are ready to eat one in the same food for 30 years I'm one of those people I see some people they always want something new but I look at myself and if I like a food then I will eat it for 30 years ever since we've come here if I'm not fasting I will eat one and the same thing every single day I like this I understand that I probably need different food healthy food I try to but if I like it then I like this and that bread water milk and I'm a happy person but there are people who always want to try new things and people in the same way behave towards the church they pick and choose what they want when a person finds that place before God and that word which God gives he accepts all of it and he becomes an heir of all the promises of God and God seals him by the Holy Spirit the next sign that defines the result 
of desire again we're talking about the desire according to which we can judge if we are fulfilling the pesach according to its statutes or not in this element of haste we will have this sign that through the anointing in our heart god will open to us the person whom he has sent in order to fulfill our desire and in order to accept the person whom god has sent it is necessary to really receive a revelation in our heart according to which we can define that god has placed upon this person the seal of his wisdom which will completely differ from the wisdom that is earthly carnal and demonic christ says truly truly i say to you you're searching for me not because that you saw the wonders but you ate the bread and were filled people begin people like certain people because those people will feed feed them and it is easy to live with them you could live a careless life with them and it's because someone will care for you but here with these words christ says about the inclination the sinful inclination of man to care for material well-being and search for the opportunity to be enriched people say oh in this church uh, they preach about how to help or and there is one person sharing a testimony one time saying these brothers are true brothers they taught me how to do business they helped me do this they helped me do that this is a true church but the word is not present there when a person ends up with his life uh, prosperous and successful, he thinks this because of the fact that it was taught in the church. But they do not search for the person who would open to them the supernatural path to having the riches that are imperishable. I had heard before, you should not give tithes to any churches give it to a church where the pastors ride private planes because then you will become successful because this church and this pastor are successful whatever soil you sow in and people say you must find the kind of soil the kind of church where pastors are riding private planes but and sometimes people will even move to another city to another place with this specific purpose that they're going to be more successful there today or tomorrow they go searching for these places and this uh, this inclination is evil in the eyes of God John 6 26 through 35 Jesus said do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the son of man will give you so a person must have the position the desire to search for god because god the father has set his seal on him so in other words for us today we are searching for the person and we have found him but you know we repeat this and we repeat it affirming this thought before god and we make it firm and strong Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. They said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the man in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. So this will be eternal. And the seal of affliction will be blotted out and he will enter into the rest of God here on earth. The bread of God that comes from heaven and gives life is wisdom that comes from above and that dwells in the hearts of those people whom God has sent to tend to his chosen flock, his chosen sheep. And the true manna is there in the flock. God gives this true food in the flock. Second, wisdom from above makes the heart of a person have the property of a sheep able to accept the person whom God has sent and distinguish his voice from other voices. There is the voice of God in a person whom he had sent, and there is a multitude of other voices. 1 John 2, 25-27 This is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So this is the anointing that people have accepted from the messengers of God. And firstly, this anointing gives the opportunity to define who is from God and who is not from God. The anointing of God is defined by the wisdom of God expressed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which find their expression in people sent by God, none other than in the fruit of their spirit and the supernatural authority of God in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the anointing of God is the authority of God that can differ in the level of its expression as well as the level of certain roles of its expression, depending on the level of the dedication of a person who is which is directly tied to the price expressed in the level of sanctification. However, these roles that define the authority of God in man will never oppose one another. But on the contrary, they will collaborate with one another just as they collaborated in the relations of Christ with his disciple and in the relation of the apostles with those people who accepted the salvation of God through their ministry. So the people of God are those people who don't step on the territory that has not been appointed by God. God had always said, for the saints of God that have been set by God to be able to teach people to know the way, to know how to go and to know how to step where their territory is, how to carry the ark, how to be sanctified in, in doing so through all, using all the details. And thus, the man of God begins to know whom he can correct and can he even correct at all. What can he say? What can he not say? how this anointing works. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19 tells us of this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood 
has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and on the gates of and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So people that understand how, exactly how, God leads them and how God teaches them, who accept the prophet in the name of the prophet, these people represent the foundation of the church. Everything is built upon them. That will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. After his resurrection, Jesus twice had affirmed to his disciples in what powers their mission was called to be, what, with what powers it was called to be comprised of. John 20, 21-23, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Again, he said this idea not just once, he repeated it. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In this manner, the anointing authority in which the apostles were clothed in was called to be expressed not only in the wisdom of God to know and to pass along the teaching of the kingdom of heaven, but also the power to forgive sins and to retain sins. The same concept, but with different words, the Holy Spirit expressed in the words of Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20-22, through 22, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, Amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who also has sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. If people were to know that all promises are yes and amen through the messengers of God who represent the fatherhood of God, they would run under the wings of God. But people don't under, not understanding the fullness and the essence of God the body of Christ, which is the fullness that fills all in all. They have taken a promise, taken another, and they begin to be affirmed in this, but don't know that you can't take the full bond of the promises of God and to take it to become the fullness of Christ, the seventh day, the eternal day. These promises, there are promises for time, and people grasp onto them. But the saints of God, they strive and they point their attention and eyes to the imperishable riches, the promises of God that demonstrate the fullness of God. Without having the authority to know and to pass along the wisdom of God or the authority to forgive sins and retain sins, the pastor of the church, standing as the head of the holy congregation, will never be able to eat the Pesach with haste on his own and to instruct those under him his responsibility to eat it in haste and this will be the result of this will be violation and scripture says if anyone does this not according to the statute he will be destroyed he will be found in a pit and those who follow after him will be found in a pit as well this kind of desire to fulfill the word about the kingdom of heaven can occur only in the heart that has the anointing to distinguish those whom god has sent from those who have set themselves and who have been selected by a majority vote by way of democratic voting. Matthew 15, 10-14 says, When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, 
but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. And people today say, Are we also blind? Are our pastors blind? They are people who choose one another by way of democratic vote. And you know, previously I did not understand this, but when I had heard the words of our pastor, the sermon, the first, second, I don't remember exactly, but in my heart I had felt a kind of unordinary joy and knowledge that this order and this word sought my heart always. When I began to draw near to God, to be zealous for Him, to search for Him, my heart searched for this kind of order of God. So inside, it was present, but I didn't feel it, I didn't know it. I felt it only having heard the sermon. You know, when light comes, all of a sudden, it illuminates in the darkness and becomes visible. So it's through this light I saw in my heart that my heart had desired it, had sought God's order. I understood that there must be one person that is placed by God who represents the authority of God who is going to teach me, and not just the brothers. But before this, if I like that preacher or that brother, I will spend time with him. If I like the other brother, I will spend it with him. I always spent time with those that were older. The youth, they tried to uh, t- talk to the youth, but I never liked to talk to the youth. I never liked to be around the youth. And right now I imagine this. This is a difficult thing for me to imagine. Difficult thing to be among the youth. But I like the elderly so much that I sought wisdom from them. Perhaps I tried to tie their gray hair with wisdom, but not every elderly was wise. Elderly, I strived toward them, towards fellowship with them. But there are wise people, and God wants us to have fellowship with them and so forth. Our heart, in a certain moment, begins to understand that this is that which I had a need of and that which I desired as soon as I began to know God. The next sign, and we are going to have this sign in our hearts, and therefore we are here. And having rereading all of this, we verify ourselves if we have these signs or not. The next sign that defines the result of our thirst will give God the ability to make in our heart a river or source of water that leads to eternal life. We will read Judges chapter 15 verses 18 and 19. 
Then he became very thirsty, Samson did, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? This person had taken the jaw of a donkey. We talked about how this is the symbol of a proclamation of the word of God. And he began to work with this jawbone that the Philistines before him uh, were destroyed. And God allows us to endure this moment when we are shaken by the power of this rod of our lips which God gives us. And we begin to proclaim this word. And the giants before us, the giants in us fall. The Philistines begin to fall dead in us. And then he says, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of uncircumcised. Now he is dying from this thirst. He is going to be found in the hand of the uncircumcised. To be found in the hand of the uncircumcised, King Saul, he was found in the hand of the uncircumcised, and he had fallen from the sword of uncircumcised people, from some kind of thought, from some kind of lust, from some kind of sin. How can I come out when I feel such a desire? And God, then what does he do to Samson? He split the hollow place that is in Lehi. So God opens in us internal inheritance. And water came out and he drank. And Jesus said that this water is going to be made in the saints of God, the source, a river. They will have this hollow place in their heart. And from there, water will flow. And it is going to lead a person into this eternal life. And Samson drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name En-Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. And then when God leads us through the death of our soul, it is this kind of state, this kind of source in the heart of a person that becomes an eternal inheritance and the sign according to which we can judge that God... The God has given us this holy desire, and we dwell in it according to the will of God. And enduring this thirst, we quench it. And then we have the ability to not drink from some kind of dirt. Perhaps we have tried this. Perhaps we have tried to do so. People ask me, do you listen to this program of some kind of comedy show? I'm, I don't like laughing too much, but sometimes I want to, uh, I had it where I wanted to watch this comedy show. And there are often times, there's not just humor present, there's also lust. That's why it's very easy to be defiled by this. People ask, have you watched this program? Have you watched that program? You know, I've watched, I watched a program, although I don't like these kind of, comedy programs they don't quench thirst they don't bring they don't give comfort in God okay you laugh a little bit you sat there and laughed as if your mood then brightens but for two hours 
but inside the inner man thirsts for even more he thirsts for there to be a source out of which will flow water and which is going to fill us and return us to life and revive us and it will be an eternal inheritance and when this is present there when it has been created by god and when we collaborate with him in this then it becomes eternal then we need to turn to the source and to drink from this water and we know that this source is present and we must turn to it in hebrew the word hollow place Again, we're going to look into this idea even further for Pastor lays it out for us. In the Hebrew word, hollow place, we see we see a tool that is used to form grain into flour. It is the same function that the tooth fulfills, the tooth with which we chew, to chew the bread that is then baked in the fire. So if you remember, the manna had to be gathered. He gives manna, the Lord gives manna, and he does not throw a person. When he leads him by the wilderness, he gives this manna. And the people, they grew lazy. The manna had to be picked up early in the morning. Someone wants to sleep. And if you miss it, you will remain hungry. A person couldn't gather for another. Everyone had to gather for themselves. Because if a person would gather for someone else, he had to get only the measure that was meant for one person because it would rot if we try to get it incorrectly God fills us according to the measure of our faith and the word hollow place we also see the definition of the command of God to show those definitions of God which he intends to do in us and through us and so a hollow place demonstrates the function of our spirit in which the preached word which we accept through instruction and faith is called to be formed into flour and then we must chew upon this word that we have heard we have cell group services people who don't attend cell group services or miss them or they're neglect neglectful toward them they're going to hunger and of course even this kind of relationship that is neglectful tells us that a person doesn't know he doesn't have this uh, desire to be able to use this tool to for the grain to become the flower but when we understand the importance we are going we aren't going to be neglectful remember what the people said in the wilderness manna what is this why is this so is this important yes this is truly necessary we are going to hold on to this as something that is given to god that is important and without it um we cannot we cannot live 
Thus, the word hollow place defines the function again of our spirit. So, in our spirit, in which the preached word which we accept their instruction in faith through an instrument is called to be turned into flower. We accept this seed and we must grind it to chew on it. We chew on the word that we hear by pondering upon its contents which we have accepted through instruction in faith. We in our heart contain it. We hold on to it. We protect it. And in our mind, we continually return to this word and we ponder upon it, chewing on it. And then all of a sudden, we begin to understand, all right, now I understand what this means. And I have understood this in me. And when this inner knowledge of the heart comes, it becomes our eternal inheritance and we have this sign forever. We have a sign from God that in you there is this sign. This means that you are a person that has been chosen by God, not just called, but you are chosen. Whereas in the form of a verb, hollow place defines the goal for which God has formed in our spirit this function in the form of this instrument or tooth. For the goal of the hollow place was the decree of God to be a light that fulfills the interests of God, to be the cloud which God bids to be sent for either favor or for punishment. In those spheres, and exclusively only in those spheres, which God has defined for each of us. When we are in war with the Philistines, we present in our heart battle with uncircumcised thoughts that bring danger to our spirit when we destroy them with the jawbone of the donkey we come to full lack of strength before the danger of the soul that was the source of these thoughts so the fresh jawbone of a donkey which Samson found in the place which he called Ramoth Lehi means the height of the jawbone and this right to finding this jawbone he received when the Israelites had tied him with two new cords. Israel is our people. You remember, Apostle Paul had said, I am bound by the Holy Spirit. And Pastor had said that I am I'm bound, I have bound myself with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and I am heading towards Jerusalem knowing that afflictions and difficulties wait for me. We are bound by the Spirit. The Samson had allowed himself to be bound, and we bind ourselves. The two new ropes is the image of the New Testament represented in the teaching of Jesus Christ and in the face of the Holy Spirit, which Samson had allowed himself to be bound with upon meeting with the Philistines. Judges chapter 15, verses 13 through 17. They said to him, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand. We will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. 
He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey I have slain a thousand men. And so it was, when he had finished speaking, that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramathlehi, the height of the jawbone. After victory over uncircumcised thoughts in the place called Ramathlehi, the producer of which of our uncircumcised thoughts is the old man, we receive the desire, the level of which that will collaborate and coincide with the requirements of eating of the Pesach lamb in haste. And the most dangerous enemy that we have is not sin itself, but the manufacture of sin in the face of our old man, as well as that law that gives power to this sin. And it is hidden in us, and it is so. this old man is so hidden that up until a certain time, people don't see, they don't see this man. They say, well, what have you seen in you? What are you fighting against? You are all blind, they say to us. But those people are blind because they do not see it. Only having endured and overcome our soul, which we are called to lose in the death of the Lord Jesus, we will receive the opportunity to renew our thinking, so that through a renewed thinking we can begin the process of clothing our souls into the new man. The law of Moses, or the law of good works, is good under the condition that we are clothed into our new man. I was speaking with one person yesterday, and his wife threw him out of the house. You know, like modern wives that are uncircumcised, but perhaps there are those that are circumcised out there. They run to the help of police. He says, I lived, everything was fine. He was had a lot of children. He was an older man. He has grandchildren. And one day, he says, I come home, and my wife says, I have a restraining order against you. You can't come home. If you come one more time, I'm going to arrest you. He says, what kind of laws are in this uh, horrible America? I say, you know, I didn't even know that there is a law like this that existed. He says, no, she had cast this web for long ago and, and had thrown me out of the house and I have nowhere to live. I have only my car and that's it. And when there are good familiar relations, a person doesn't know that the law exists. But he found out he was met with it. And here is the same principle in play here. When a person is righteous, the law is not for him. The law is not meant for the righteous. It is meant for the lawless, for those that uh, are thieves, those that are adulterous, those that uh, resist their mother and father. And we know that First Timothy 1, 8 through 11, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and unsubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That which coincides the teaching, that person that dwells in the teaching, that has accepted the teaching in himself, that lives according to this teaching and acts according to the teaching, the law is not for him. Uh, 
Before being clothed into our new man and the subject of being clothed in the robe of righteousness, we will unlawfully use the fulfillment of the commandments of this law unlawfully uh, because we will rely not on what God has done us, but we will rely on that which we have done according to our good works that we view as good and every kind of ministry that is tied to hospitality and good works which we, until we place our soul or we lose our soul in the hollow place, and until we renew the sphere of our thinking, we in fact cannot have any understanding about the truth of good deeds. Sometimes a person truly doesn't understand. What does he do? He needs to come and ask, is this correct? Is this work good? And he is going to be instructed and people, those that are instructed by God will explain if he is unknown in the teaching. Now there's a specific situation and someone truly needs to know and then he will know what kind of good work, what his next step is. And he will be able to correctly fulfill the act that is correct or their helpers. In our case, right now, sometimes we try to not to burden pastor and I had called not too long ago, I needed help, and I have received exact direction of what to do. A pastor, Daniel, uh, can always be approached and a question to him can always be asked. Because pastor continually teaches us, helps us, and the helpers of pastor that act with him in one spirit can also assist. Being found in a kind of state, an unrenewed state, our good works, which we view as the fulfillment of the law, will not be strength for us, but for sin that will rule over us through our old man. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The hollow place in our heart, out of which the water of life will flow, and the subject of revelation giving us the guarantee of rapture upon the morning star, will not happen automatically for God to create this hollow place we need to call out to God in a uh, with a desire with a strong desire and a prayer full of this desire Isaiah 66 1 through 4 thus says the Lord heaven is my earth heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest all those things my hand has made and all those things exist says the Lord but on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word a person was given time where the word of God was was preached so that then he can tremble before this word he who kills a bull is as if he who slays a man The bow points to the will of a person. God says, when, when someone says, I am going to fast even more. Remember, pastor had limited us. For the first time, I was so sorrow. I thought, only three days fasting? This is, but you can barely for, for taste it. I grew sad by this. I fasted for longer previously. 
and I understood that this was a dead work. And I was shaken inside, and I said, no, I won't do this uh, on my own, through my own self-will. And when we are neglectful towards our body, we say, well, who cares, my body, soon everything will burn away and everything's going to burn, everything's all earthly. When a person doesn't care for his body, well, then he endures difficulties in his health. And God says, because you have killed a bull, because you relied on your own self-will, because you didn't learn according to the teaching how to dedicate yourself, how to fast, how to... Um, have a prayer vigilance, how to care for your health, you are killing, you are slaying man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. So a person wants to renew his thinking, but he doesn't know how to do this. He heard that he needs to bring a lamb as a sacrifice. He needs to put to death his mind. If he doesn't do it according to the teaching, God says, in the same way you are breaking a dog's neck, your mind remains uncircumcised and it remains a dog as it was before. It must become a dead dog, but it is alive and you are just breaking his neck and you're not getting anything out of this. God receives no benefit for him and no benefit for man, but only, um, only calamity. He who offers a grain offering, furthermore, it says, it says, as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense, as if he blesses an idol. When a person says, oh, this is such worship occurring, such, they call something worship that is actually idolatry. The greatest prophet of all time did not fulfill any kind of wonder. There was no such worship there. People came to him and he said, brood of vipers who told you to come here you have not shown the authority of God because Christ had asked them the Baptist of John where was it from from heaven or from man they say we don't know that which you do not know he says I will not tell you what authority I am doing this by if there is no acknowledgement of God's apostle if there is no trembling before the preached word of God this is idolatry and just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights and their abominations so will I choose their delusions and bring their fears on them pastor repeats to us that all kinds of encounters this is breaking a dog's neck killing a bull as if he slays a man but God is in, found in anger from all of this and he says when I spoke they did not hear but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I did not delight When I was invited to a fellowship and there was a person that I had known there from a very young age, he began to testify that he had gone through an encounter and now he is 
so holy. And of course, knowing the truth, I was um, I was saddened by this. And through a certain time, he was uh, he was a drug addict. Then he began to testify to others, become a missionary for a very very short time, and then uh, through an overdose, he died. And I didn't go to his funeral. Uh, my relatives were upset by this. You knew him at such a young age. Why didn't you even go to his funeral? I said, well, what? I let the dead bury their dead. Because a person falls into seduction and then dies in this seduction. Because he did not listen. So the preached word of God, God through his chosen remnant, he calls us. Before not understanding this, I thought, why does... Here is our church. Why does pastor talk about other churches or other pastors? The Holy Spirit is calling people from there. God, God loves a man until a certain time and calls them. But a lot of them did not answer this knock or this call. But they do evil before his eyes and choose that in which he does not delight. When God splits, when he splits the hallowed place, this means to, uh, to, to split, to break, to wait for, to be broken, to be relaxed, to be robbed. This is talking about our old man. God splitting this hollow place then gives us the opportunity to rob ourselves. Well, not ourselves, because the old man is not we. We are with him until we uh, present him with a divorce letter. But when we are in Christ, we become widows. And this widow, through this death, this then becomes the old man. And someone says, well, he is in us. He is in you. Well, for a very short time, up until the moment, until it is meant for him to be cast into darkness, for the judgment has already been prepared and ready for him. To split also means to slumber, to live, to dwell. Splitting the hollow place in Lehi is the image of being immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus, through the three forms of baptisms that pursue one goal but fulfill different functions, as written, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is one baptism. It fulfills three functions. Or it reveals itself in three functions function of water holy spirit and fire matthew 3 11 i indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than i whose sandals i am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire Based on the above, it follows that for God to be able to split in our heart the hollow place and in this manner fulfill our strong desire, which is tied to the death 
is tied, it is necessary to, in prayer, call out to the Lord and accept all three baptisms and the death of the Lord Jesus because these baptisms are the foundation of the resurrection of life being evident in our heart. And we accept this by faith. Here is one of the parables in which Jesus uncovers the significant condition uh, through which God has promised to fulfill our desire in relation to our resurrection. Luke 11, 5-13, he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go at him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on this his journey and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I will say to you, ask. This is the accent, the direction, the great accent. Ask and it will be given to you. God wants us to ask three breads. So perfection. We must not have a kind of prayer where we desire to be found um, at the doorstep or saved like a brand of fire. A, f- a brand of fire. We need to ask for three loaves. Lord, I want full salvation. I will not give slumber to my eyes until I create a dwelling place in my heart to the Holy Israel, Holy One of Israel. So this fullness, only the fullness and nothing less. And he says, I say, Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is the mediator. There is three friends, one mediator. We are children to God, and Jesus has called us his friends. But we, Pastor, explain this thought in such a way. We are not friends directly to the Heavenly Father, but Jesus is the friend to the Heavenly Father. And when we come and when we ask the Lord Jesus, we ask and we say, I want three loaves. I want three measures of faith. I want reforms of baptism. I want to know the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. I want to fully know the will of God. I want to be born from water, from the Spirit, into the throne. I want to enter into the fullness and inherit this. Lord, I ask you of this. I knock about this. And Jesus said, and having read this place of scripture just now, I discovered a sign in me. I work as a realtor part-time, and when I express the interests of the buyer and seller, I look at the motivation of a person, and if I see a serious motivation, I have, I am ready to just overturn everything because I see the motivation that this person has. But if he is not so sure about buying and selling, I f- feel like I am bound. I want to work, but I can't really. I can't work as effectively if he's not motivated. 
here's a, a similar idea. Jesus says, ask and seek and you will find it. Knock. Have this desire to inherit the fullness of God. If you're going to be unsure and saying, Lord, if it's pleasing to you, I could, I can take three measures. No, he can't intercede for us in such a way. He gave the desire, or rather, he gave the commandment for us to seek, to ask, to knock. And therefore, ending at this and concluding, we, I would just like to say that we are people, when we hear that firstborn are not just the first that are born, not just prophets, not just some kind of priests, noble people, preachers, prayer, those that pray for a long time, those that are well known, but we have heard that each of us is able to inherit three measures of faith. And therefore, we are here today and we have turned to God. And God has, according to the measure of our faith, begun to fill us with the word of God. Therefore, we will thank Him and rejoice of His great mercy and bless this holy place before God from which He grows us and which from which He brings us to fullness. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be awakened for your glory. We thank you for this high privilege you have given to us in our own language to hear, to hear the cry, to accept the three measures of meal. You have offered us three breads, and you have said, through the person who represents the fatherhood of God, who represents the apostleship of Christ, you have said that each of us is able to inherit three measures and meal, three breads, to acknowledge the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect to accept three baptisms, water, Holy Spirit, and fire, to inherit birth from above from God. We thank you, Lord, and to inherit your fullness and to become this fullness before your countenance, to be your body, to be your seventh day. We honor God who brings joy and rest. and joy in our heart. We have believed this word, and we have come. You have called us, and we have come upon this to this feast. And you began to feed us bountifully, and you have taught us how to gather this manna. how to grind it, how to ponder over this word of God, how to dwell in your order, how to teach your truth, how to learn your truth, 
and to become your fullness, to become a spiritual dwelling in a holy place, to bring God sacrifices that are pleasing to you. You have said that you make us a royal priesthood and you have given us your prophetic spirit so that we can prophesy according to the measure of our faith. We thank you that we have come to the end of ages and your great promises are going to be fulfilled in a short length of time. We thank you for our renewed bodies in which with which we will meet with the Lord in the air and will always be with Him, and no one will be able to separate us from its union because the old man is going to be cast out from our bodies at the door of our hope, and this is going to be a sign for us and a testimony that we have pleased God and we are righteous. Then, the righteous shine in the kingdom of their Father. Thank you that the kingdom for the righteous you have prepared before the creation of the earth. You have prepared it and have known everything in advance and have declared it in your written word. Thank you. We wait for your coming. We are preparing ourselves. We care not for what is perishable, but we care for what is eternal. We care for us to be prepared for your coming so that we can be clothed in the robes of righteousness. We thank you for the ornaments of the bride, for the pure linen, clean and bright, for the representative power of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, that acts in our life because we have known the authority in the person sent by you. And you clothe us with this authority and make us like you. We thank you that we carry this image and this likeness, and we with trembling will keep that precious word that transforms us into your image, that we do not distort it in our heart and our mind, but that we exactly learn to know the words of truth, because they are sure. We thank you for this wise word. We pray for upcoming services, for you to continue to feed us with your word, to bountifully water us with the water of life so that we can be perfected, to come to perfection before your countenance and your glorified order. We thank you for our pastor, Brother Argadi. We bless him from this place and we ask you may his body be healed and the bodies of saints 
that are ailing, that, for whatever reason, due to illness, cannot be upon this place. We bless your saints out of your holy temple. We thank you for the healing word that lifts up to heights that are higher than us. We rejoice about all that you do in us and with us. We are found in your hands. We are found under your wings that are strong wings. And that we continue to feel over this place. You are our refuge. And these strong wings are spread out over us that we in the shadow of these wings can grow and come to your perfection. We thank you for all of your mercies and we bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with unblemished joy, to God our Savior, alone is wise through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen